to the Angler's Channel Insider Podcast, presented by Sportsman's Warehouse, your fishing and outdoor store. This week's show is brought to you by Ranger Boats, still building legends one at a time. Now, here's your host, David Shong. Welcome to this week's episode of the Angler's Channel Insider Podcast, brought to you by Ranger Boats, powered by Mercury Marine and Shock to Life by Rely on Lithium Batteries. I am David Chong, and joining me is the AC Insider himself, Kenneth Grover. And just like last week, we're just going to jump right into it, and we're going to get started with our guest, uh, and that's Sportsman's Warehouse Pro Ranger Boats, Hummerman Coda. Costa Del Mar and Reliant Lithium Batteries Pro and the winner of the 2023 Red Crest on Lake Norman, Mr. Brian Thrift. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Brian, and congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you for having me on. So has the wind sunk in yet? At some point. I haven't really had time to slow down and process everything and have that aha moment, but I'm ready for it. <laughs> so going into this event you know with it being your backyard and everything did you put any extra pressure on yourself or did that come uh, mostly from those around you um a little bit of both i mean i i definitely put a lot of pressure on myself because i didn't want to let down all my family and friends that were you know pulling for me to win and the thousands of people that came up to me into shows that i worked all winter you know tell me you know, you're ready for Red Crest. You're going to win that one. We're pulling for you. You're like my number one pick on the fantasy team. And I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to let them down. <laughs> so how much experience did you have on, on Norman and John? I mean, I know you probably got years, but, you know, how much how much experience would you say you have on there? When was the last time you were on Norman prior to Red Crest? Um, I usually spend at least 10 or 20 days a year out there, but most of it's in the fall when, during the off season. It's been quite some time since I've fish Lake Norman at this particular time of year, you know, in the springtime, because we're so busy with the schedule on the Bass Pro Tour, we're usually gone so much in the spring, I never get to really fish it a lot then. So the the last time I was there this time of year was probably 2020, the year of COVID, when we kind of shut down for the spring, and I spent a couple of days over there. How has Norman changed throughout the years? I, I've heard that it wasn't that great. I've never been on that, but I've heard it wasn't, it, it was like, it's not one of the most uh, more popular fisheries, but I guess it's, I heard it's starting to pick up, or it has picked up within the last few years? Oh, yes. Actually, it started picking up probably back around the 2010-11 time frame. It was when it really started shining and getting better and better, and it's, it's consistently got better since then. I mean, I remember back when I first started bass fishing, we would have you know one-day events on Lake Norman where nine, ten pounds would win, and eight pounds would get you a check, and you just you didn't get a lot of bites. And then the introduction of spotted bass has really helped that lake out. It's made it such a fun lake for you know all levels of fishermen from a beginner to a professional angler because you can it's a great lake to learn on and learn different techniques and different patterns because there's always so many different things happening at any one given time on lake norman you know you can if you want to learn how to throw a square bill you can if you want to learn how to catch one whatever you want to take to that lake and learn you can go and get bites on it and get confidence in it and so it, it's been a great place to learn you know the sport of bass fishing so how did you prepare for this event, knowing that it's your home lake and you've got all this history? Did you prepare any differently than you normally do? Um, no, I didn't prepare any differently. I still rigged up 40 or 50 different Fitzgerald rods with 40 or 50 different baits. And the, the biggest goal that I had or the biggest game plan I had was with our two days of practice, I wanted to devote one day to running history, stuff I already knew on the lake, 
And then I wanted to devote one day to looking at the lake with a fresh pair of eyes, like I'd never been there before, to try to develop an p- actual pattern that's going on right now in the moment. And doing that really that got my game plan rolling because the first day of practice I found the spots I ended up using for limits that, you know, to be able to catch a decent 10 to 12 pound limit every day on some history places. And then the one day of practice I spent fishing the lake just from a open mind, I ended up figuring out that swim bait bite that allowed me to catch several kickers throughout the event. Now I've asked some of your fellow uh, anglers this before, but you know this year MLF decided to implement uh, a change in the format, uh, going from you know I guess every scoreable fish to the best five fish per, uh, you know best five fish each day. Did that change your approach as well to the event, or did you just prepare as as you would normally for any type of about a regular uh, BPT? No, I've, I've prepared like I always do. I've always uh, been under the mind frame of the more bites I get, the better my chances of catching five big ones are. So I always try to you know, look for a group of fish or figure some, some type of bite out like that where, you know, I can catch multiple fish doing it on a single pattern or on a place or something like that. I mean, I, I like the change in MLF. Um, I was happy with where it's at, where it was with all you can fish. That's just kind of, or all you can catch. I'm kind of, the, I, I don't really care what the format is. I did quit it for a couple of years. So day one, you know, you, you're heading out to your first spot. Any butterflies uh, or was it just, you know, business as usual? No, it was just business as normal. And I, I think that's one thing that, that kind of helped me in this event is I, I never felt rushed. I never felt fancy or anything like that. Like I was pretty calm and collected the entire bit of when things I don't feel like are going as well as they should. I have a bad habit of fishing too fast and, and it just creates a snowball effect. And before you know it, at the end of the day, I've fished 100 places, but I haven't fished any of them thoroughly and I've not caught anything. So I'm glad I didn't fall into that trap this week. Catch 13, 12, and day one, did that day go more or less according to plan? Uh, yes, day one, every day went according to plan except for day two. <laughs> so day two was the was my lightest weight day. I think I had 11-something that day. Yep. And uh, it started out going according to plan. I started on my limit place. I caught whatever 11 and a half pounds in the first period like I'd planned. And that freed me up to spend two periods looking for a kicker bite and I never got it. And I was sweating towards the end of the day. I, I had the lead at the end of the first period. And at the end of the third period, I was in 19th place. And I was starting to sweat to wonder if I was even going to make the cut. And, you know, a lot of people assumed I was laying off or practicing or something like that. But I was out there fishing my tail off trying to catch another fish to make sure I made the cut. Did you make significant changes knowing that, you know, again, you mentioned that, that dip, I guess, in, uh, in, in rankings going from, I think it was, I think you were seventh after day one going to dropping down to 19th, just barely squeaking. Did you make any major changes or was it just sticking with what you found and, uh, and uh, uh, just trusting? Yeah, I, I didn't make any changes. I stuck with the game plan and I was, I mean, I'd planned or figured that I would get one or two good bites each day on the swim bait, you know, fishing docks and stuff like that. And it just, it never happened that second day. So, you know, you know, day three, weights are zeroed, uh, but going forward from day three onwards, you know, uh, what was it? Everything kind of counts, you know, because the weight all matters after day three, if you make a, make it past the first two days. Um, what was the difference with, with day three? Because you caught the biggest bag of the tournament, I believe, on day three as well. Yeah, I did. day three started out very much like days one and two. I caught a quick limit of 11 and a half pounds, and I went and started throwing the swim bait. And for some reason on day three, they bit the swim bait really well. I ended up getting four kicker bites, like three plus pound fish on the swim bait throughout the day. And I mean, that definitely what helped me win the event that got me out to a good lead and um, got caught the biggest bag of the event that day. I don't know. I don't know what was going on the second day that just kind of had the fish turned off 
where I couldn't get bit on the swim bait. But, you know, the rest of the week, it, it, the plan worked out flawlessly. So, Brian, you know, this, this is a long, a long tournament, really, with the format. But, you know, you fish the first two days and then you zero out. And the key, the key really is the last three days. So you did what you had to do to get the last three days. Did, did you kind of reset your mindset on day three, knowing that, that hey, this is cumulative uh, for the next three days? Uh, or, or were you really just taking it day by day? Um, no, I, I had a solid game plan. I mean, I knew what I was going to do each day, where I was going to start, and how I'd hope to end the event. You know, my, my number one goal was securing that decent limit, you know, getting that 10.5 to 12-pound limit in the boat as quick as possible so I could spend the rest of the day pursuing a big bite. And that's how I started day three, just like I did the previous two days. And fortunately for day three, they, they really bit good. So day four, um, you know, you didn't, things didn't change much. You're still on top of the leaderboard. At this point, did you feel that you had one hand on the trophy already? <laughs> no, not at all. So on day four, I actually ended up struggling. Things didn't go as well as I'd hoped on my starting place. And I'd caught, uh, I had a limit. I caught one decent fish, like a two and a half pounder on a swim bait. And I was struggling to get bit on it again. Like something just seemed weird. And I, I had a, I had a place up the lake that I was saving. I was hoping to save for the final day and I ended up going to it and catching 13 pounds off of it pretty quickly, which kind of surprised me because I didn't think it was going to, it was capable of producing that kind of weight. I was thinking it was a 10 to 11 pound place, but I ended up catching quite a few two and three quarter pounders to two and a half pounders and got over that 13 pound mark. And, and he, so I was still in striking distance and I knew I would still be in striking distance going into the final day. But, um, Alton and those guys, they, they caught big bags that second day. I think Alton and Matt, we both had 17 pounds and, you know, they were, they were catching up, you know, out and passed me. So with about 30 minutes to go the, the fourth day, I, I went back to throwing my swim bait and the first dock I pulled up on, I caught a four and a half pound spot. And that got me up to that 15 and a pound, 15 and a half pound mark and got me the lead. So I, I ended up going into the final day with about a pound and a half lead over second place. And well, it wasn't done. It wasn't game over, but I felt like I would at least have a pretty good chance. Hey, Brian, it's Kenneth again. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of curious. Um, you know, we, we did see some guys start to switch over. You mentioned the swim bait several times. We saw some guys throwing, guys throwing glide baits. We even saw some uh, some wake baits, some fairly large right. wake baits. Is that something that's, that's been known for Norman for a while, or is that kind of one of those things that, uh, you know, only a, only a small group of fishermen are doing no, that? That's those a, kind of I think that was a product of the, the time frame and the pattern of fish we're in. So we've had abnormally warm weather this early spring here at Norman where, you know, the weeks leading up to the event were in the 70s, a couple of days in the 80s. Nighttime temperatures weren't getting down but to the mid to upper 50s. So when we started practice, the water temp was 58 to 60 degrees. There were fish on beds. And I think a lot of that was just a product of the time of year. You know, we're late pre-spawn, early spawn phase, where most of the big fish in the lake are up in six feet of water. Or hey, the, the other thing I'm curious about, and M Marty Stone actually mentioned this multiple times. Uh, I think early in the event, y'all had a lot of sunny days. But uh, mi middle to the end, it was a lot of cloudy days and some rainy days. Um, Marty kind of mentioned that when he quizzes anglers and specifically quizzes about this lake, he said that everybody was very consistent on what the, what they think the, the bass do, spotted bass in particular, when it's when it's sunny. But he says for some reason he gets so many different um, options uh, or thoughts on what what happens when it's cloudy. I'm just curious what what do you do those cloudy days? Spotted bass on Norman are kind of they're very nomadic and they they'll change their moods four times during the course of a day but from what i've saw in our area with spots is when it's sunny and calm and pretty those spots tend to sit higher in the water, water column they tend to get under the docks better and suspend they sit on top of brush piles and stuff like that and 
when it's cloudy, they tend to go more to the bottom. They tend to become more bottom related, which doesn't really make sense to me, but that seems to be what they do. And I think that's why that Lady Cheryl football jig to get the ball rolling. And then when I went up the lake and got on my place up there where I caught them good the fourth day, you know, it wasn't quite as good as the fourth day on the final day, but I was able to catch bigger fish. I ended up catching 13-10 in a 30-minute period off a place that I'd been saving, and that's what won the tournament for me. That kind of leads me into my next thing. You mentioned earlier that, you, you know, you had 50 rods rigged up. You're kind of known as a guy that does a lot of different things. You're very versatile. Um, obviously, being being the time of year, knowing that, that the patterns and, and things can change real quick, um, do you think it was an advantage that you had, um, you know, being open-minded and comfortable with so many different type techniques that you could, you could make the changes as needed? Oh, I definitely think it was. And that's, you know, that's a trade I learned on Lake Norman. It's, it's kind of junk fishing 101. And I've, I've always said that Lake Norman fishes more like a, a pond than it does a typical lake because you'll catch one on a rock pile, one on a dock, one on a point, one in 30 feet of water, one in four feet of water. It's like there's so many fish in the lake that do so many different things at the same time that you've got to be prepared for a little bit of everything. I mean, I, I caught fish that I've had in my bags and weighed this week on an underspin, a football jig, a wake bait, a wacky worm, a shaky head, a chatterbait, crankbait. I mean, you, you name it, I probably caught a bass on it this week. How important was electronics to uh, your approach to Norman this week? I'm sorry, say that one more time. How important was electronics to your approach to Norman? Oh, electronics were huge this week. So I run the Humminbird Mega Live and the Humminbird Mega 360. And to me, this time of year, when you're wanting to find a group of fish at Lake Norman, it's all about finding bait. And to be able to use that Humminbird Mega Live to see where the schools of bait are in a creek channel or on a flat, and then I can use the Humminbird Mega 360 to locate the isolated targets that the bigger fish are using, like an isolated rock or a brush pile or stump on a creek channel ledge or something like that. So using the Humminbird Mega Live and the Mega 360 together is the ultimate tool. So what is it here? So you left a chat that, the, you know, were you surprised, I guess, you know, hearing your name at the end of the day because you know the score and everything were you surprised at all that you were able to pull that off on norman with the, with the added pressure whether it's from you everyone else were you surprised at all at the end that the hometown favorite did take it this time <laughs> I, I was surprised i was like even the final day when i had a four pound lead i still kept thinking in my mind you know somebody's going to catch a six or seven pounder this ain't really happening and like i still even after the clock stopped i was like a minute or two before I believed it. <laughs> well, you've won an FLW AOI. You're the last winner of the Forestwood Cup, and now you're the Red Crest, uh, Red Crest champion. Congratulations again, Brian, for uh, you know the awesome win. Thank you for joining us. I know that you're a very high demand person. You've got I know what was it uh, BPT right around the corner too. So thanks again for just joining us and congratulations. Thank you. I really appreciate it. All right. There you have it, folks. Uh, we had to kind of keep it short because I know Brian's a uh, very in-demand person. Part of it was also my fault. So I do apologize if we uh, we kind of kept that kind of bit brief there because uh, But I know that Brian's got a lot of uh, obligations. On, and like I mentioned, he has um, 
they also probably to get ready for the upcoming Bass Pro Tour, which is on going to which is going to be on Cherokee and Douglas. So just down the street from the Classic there. But KG, um, what did you think? I know you're busy, but I don't, again, this is a uh, for a big caliber event. Uh, it's a total five days uh, of fishing. What did you think, though? Well, I mean, you know, it's it didn't really surprise me. Brian Thrift had a good tournament. I really kind of expected it. Sits up in his wheelhouse. He's very comfortable fishing this way. He was due for another win. I mean, we we really thought, or I really thought that when when he hit the BPT, that the win he would have several wins by now. Um, he's just man. He's such a good angler. He's so versatile. Uh, he keeps such an open mind. He makes makes great decisions on the water. I think because of that, because he's com- so comfortable being versatile and and so much of an open mind that the little things just clues him into what he needs to be doing and. And and then when he gets there, he's very efficient. I I think he's a kind of angler, uh, and I really think there's only a handful of these guys, you know, that do this. But he's a kind of angler that when he gets around a, a group of fish, he's going to catch the right ones. He's not going to leave any behind. Um, and he, you know, he proved it once again. Yeah, you know, like he was the favorite, but you know, as we've seen in the past, well, it's 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 only in the more recent past, you know, with, especially when when you're talking about the classic. I guess you could say, I don't know if you would say uh, Red Crest, the one that got switched over to, was it Eufaula? I think it was. Well, yes. it was supposed to be on Palestine. So I'm not sure if you really consider Dustin Connell a quote unquote local, but it's only more to, in the more recent history that you see, that we started seeing more hometown favorites win it. But um, but yeah, I guess I, I just don't know if it was just, it's one of those things where it seemed more like things lined up versus him just having just hometown advantage kind of played out for him. So well, and, and you know, we're making it sound easy. It wasn't easy for him. And no. there, man, there's there's several other anglers that caught him really well. I mean, they had there's some guys that had some really big days. That, and when that happens on a place like Mark uh, uh, Norman, you can't you can't catch up, so you can't get too far behind. So that I mean, that had to had have a little bit of pressure on him, even though it was kind of in his wheelhouse. He's comfortable. He kind of had an idea what to do. Man, it's it's still not an easy task, and too much information to a lot of guys, me included. Uh, can really mess us up, um, but he he really seemed to handle that very well. And I, I didn't get a chance to ask him. It's only because uh, I guess we were uh, pressed for time due to uh, uh, technical difficulties. But um, I did want to ask him about you know because this was I think I don't know if there was if there are many events, but it definitely on this you know on this caliber where uh, at least on the on the on the more national level there aren't many events out there where it, the someone fishes for five days straight. And so, you know, uh, whether it's uh, physically, mentally, making sure that your your spots hold up, you know, what you found out uh, in practice will eventually hold up barring any weather-related, uh, you know, obstacles. But, uh, you know, again, you know, like you said, you know, uh, that also kind of plays into, you know, it made it so that it wasn't a a walk in the park, I guess, you know, that, that, that in this case, because the Classic is only three days, um elite series of four days at best and then obviously the bass Pro was a bit more uh different because you got some uh off days in between but five well, days straight that's pretty hard yeah it's six days if you're group a but you got two day, at least two days off yeah in there um you know scattered in there so yeah that's five days straight um you know with the pressure and all you know things leading up to it it's another it's another one of those event it's kind of like the classic you know they had dinner the night before you know the first day and and media events, you know, scattered throughout. So it's not it's not like you know you can kind of ease your way into that tournament. Uh, there was there was a lot of stuff going on ahead of it. Yeah. 
All right. So with that, we'll take a short break and we'll come back for the final segment of the show. With so many exclusive designs and processes, no other boat is built like Ranger. It's a dramatic difference that consistently raises the bar of excellence while delivering more features, more performance, and the best value. The Ranger Fisherman Series. From bow to stern, this is results-based engineering at its best. Still building legends, one at a time. At Mercury, there are no limits to the lengths we'll go to make sure you have no limits either. Unlimited adrenaline. Unlimited fun. Unlimited weekend. Except maybe having to go home eventually. Introducing the all-new V8 Mercury Pro XS. Light, quick, efficient. Mercury, go boldly. From dawn to midday to dusk, the sun's rays dance across the water and the sparkling light beckons. The abundant shorelines invite you to play or sail or simply behold. This is where champions fish and families gather to unwind. It's Lake Hartwell and Anderson is the gateway to its wonders. Walk on a pier, float all day, and restore your soul in this beautiful oasis. Visit Anderson, South Carolina's bright spot. Discover more at visitanderson.com and visitlakehartwell.com. Welcome back to the final segment of the show brought to you by Costa Del Mar, makers of the best fishing sunglasses out there, such as the new Corbina Pro, uh, now being reintroduced with, uh, you know, again, the Corbina frames, but with the awesome features found on all Pro models, such as the adjustable nose pieces and the improved hydrolyte grips. Make sure you check them out at CostaDelMar.com and see what's out there. Uh, first up here, I've got some of the uh, some results from the events from this past weekend. Uh, again, some of these events, uh, these are just results I was able to pull up here. So some of the ones I wanted to pull up, they weren't up there. So, but first one up, Big Bass Tour was on Clark's Hill, and winning that event, uh, weighing in at nine thirty nine, uh, during the Saturday noon to one slot was Hal Sharp. The for work week for KG, uh, the ABT South was on Lay Lake. And how do you say that first name? Because I want to make sure it's, it's Lanier. Yes. Okay. Lanier Burton and former Elite Series pro Kelly J caught 1938 to take the win there. Quick question, just only because uh, uh, because of what uh, you know, Kelly J was a uh, was an angler, and a lot of times in these um, these team tournaments. Uh, Oh, like if you're quote unquote a pro, which I know Kelly's been away uh, from the elite series for I think what two three seasons now, but um, is that something that's per what are the rules I guess with that with, with um yeah I think he just became eligible. You cannot fish uh, the Alabama Bass Trail, the North or the South Division if you're uh, if you're elite series or Bass Pro Tour, um, probably the Invitationals. Um, I think you can fish the Opens, you can fish Toyota Series, but nothing beyond that. Okay, and it's not uh, so based yeah, on. It, is, it, is it also money based, or is it just uh, being qualified for those particular? I'd have to go back and look at the. I don't think it's based on a. You know, a lot of tournaments do specify a specific entry fee. I think. Yeah. I think this one is spelled out in those organizations. If you fish those tournament trails, you 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 don't qualify. Okay. Now she does have the the Alabama Bass Trail One Hundred, and that's yep, three yep. events, and you can have a boat with one touring pro. 
uh, you can't have two, but you can have one, you know, of, oh, of the okay. team that, that can be a touring pro. Um, and there's quite a few that do fish that. But that explains it. Cause I, I know that, that obviously that, um, you know, with the ABT, the 100 is where you you kind of start uh, start seeing the big name guys. But then I've always noticed too that you know, uh, like for instance, you got the Lee brothers. They didn't fish together in order to, no, the Wiggins can fish because uh, what was it? Because uh, yeah. it's it's only Jesse that is quote unquote not right. qualified to fish. To uh, he will be qualified as the touring pro, whereas uh, his brother Jordan isn't. So that makes more sense there. So okay see here next event up is the angler's choice team trail they fish jordan lake again that's the north carolina jordan lake but landon siggers and J jacob johnson excuse me caught 29.97 so just under 30 pounds to take the win there and the last event i've got here is the bfl music city division fish dale hollow and winning that event was tanner rich he caught 23 pounds and one ounce to take the win there and then uh, upcoming events for this coming weekend, there's a whole bunch, obviously, because you know, especially in your guys' neck of the woods, KG, basically the whole southeast of the country. Uh, tournaments are happening left, right, all over the country. But uh, first one up I've got is the MLF Toyota Series, uh, the Western Division. They're fishing the California Delta. Uh, again, another work week for KG before, uh, I guess, uh, next week's, uh, I guess, uh, events here. But ABT North. Fishes Gunnersville, and it's funny because I think on uh, the other day, so yesterday or today, I forget which, but I got some, you know, what was it? Some social media memories from when I came down for an ABT event. So it's kind of I, I know that that not all not all the events on in each division are during the same more or less time of year uh, for the same venue. But uh, again, Gunnersville is uh, the next event or stop for the ABT North. So. Is that something that you're going to be staying at home and just commuting to, or is that something where you're going to be staying closer to the lake? No, I'll drive over. I'll actually be fishing on Smith Lake Friday during the day and then uh, preparing for the Toyota series. And then I'll drive over uh, Friday night. Uh, okay. This tournament is out of the state park and the state park's not necessarily the easiest place to get to. So yeah, I'll, I'll go on over Friday night. You know, sometimes we have, Production meetings also, and we do we do live coverage, and we're also doing stuff for TV. So sometimes we have a production meeting the night before. So if we're all there, it kind of kind of helps make that happen. You think uh, wait to be good? I I don't know how the, if the since the weather I'm assuming has been a lot more stable, probably at least a bit warmer. For, uh, than... uh, well, it, it was until this week, of course. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> it's gotten it's gotten kind of cold again, but. Um, you know the lake. The lake's fishing pretty good, but I mean it's getting a lot of pressure. Um, there's there's going to be a, a high school tournament out of Goose Pond the same same day. Oh, okay. We're putting in at State Park. Um, I'm sure there's probably going to be a tournament out of Waterfront. There'll probably be a tournament out of Browns Creek. I mean, it's just that's just the way Gunnersville is. I think last year during the ABT, we estimated just in the tournaments that we knew. Um, it may have been close to 2000 boats on the water. Okay. Um, so it, that's just, that's just become the norm for gunners. What well, makes it really hard for us doing the, doing the, the cover, the live coverage and TV, because um, most lakes during an, an, AB, an ABT tournament, we can pull up on a boat and it's, you know, there's a, a big chance. It's actually one of our boats, a place like Gunnersville, when there's so many boats on the water, it gets kind of hard to skip around and try to find some of our boats. Uh, but 
we get through it. You know, the high school tournament guys will be easy to spot because it should be three people to a boat. Yeah. But uh, it's just one of those things we have to overcome. But they put ribbon, colored ribbons on the boat, so it kind of helps us get an idea of where our anglers are. So with, with the venue, just since you're mentioning the uh, the ribbons thing there, too, um, and I'm assuming this doesn't happen on too many of the venues, but obviously Gunnersville being Gunnersville, uh, uh, do you guys try to go with something that's gaudy or something? Cause you know, obviously there's so many boats, but like, you know, since you mentioned being other tournaments out there, like the, do you guys try to go something at least with Gunnersville to at least say, Hey, you know what? That's probably a higher probability because we're using some fluorescent color versus your orange or. Yeah. I'm not sure what the process is for that. The the TV crew's not in charge of the ribbons. So we're not sure. Real sure of the process. Now there have been, there have been times because we're usually at the boat check-in where they do the ribbons. Yeah, because that's where we put the GoPros on on some boats. We put like ten to twelve GoPros uh, on boats, you know, per tournament kind of thing. And sometimes we'll notice they're they're pulling them off a little too short, so we'll we'll kind of ask them to make them a little bit longer. Makes yeah. it a little bit easier to see. But I mean, there's times where I, I have to kind of pull up to a boat and I have to get my cameraman to to look through his camera and to zoom in and see if he sees a ribbon uh, to determine if 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 it's a boat we need to stop on or not. But uh, it, it's just a little bit more more difficult to handle, but. We get through it. Last question about this, because so, you mentioned uh, the weather being colder than, well, honestly, it's colder than expected or colder than what you would like, but what's the forecast for this weekend for KG's comfort this weekend? <laughs> it, it's it's probably more normal. The problem is we've had so many good days that now okay. it, it, it seems abnormal, but it's probably closer to normal. So, um, you know, our nights, the next, the next several nights, probably all the way until... Um, Maybe Tuesday morning of next week, it's going to be in the 30s okay. for lows. Uh, now, our highs are going to be either anywhere from 50s to high 60s, depending on if it's raining or not. But the, the, the cold mornings came back. We had kind of gotten away. You know, Brian actually mentioned in, in his interview how, you know, the weather at Lake Norman leading up to that tournament, you know, the the, the, the lows in the morning were a lot warmer than, than usual. We, we had been seeing the same thing. Okay. Uh, you know, all of our trees are blooming and pollen's crazy and all that. But, you know, now I guess now we really came back to, to more reality. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it'll help keep some extra boats off the water. So maybe <laughs> maybe it will actually help the anglers. The, the fair weather uh, anglers, the, the ones yes. that, okay. See here. Next event on the calendar that I've got here is the Georgia Bass Trail South Division. They'll be fishing West Point Lake. The Collins Bass for Cash event will be on Jordan Lake. Again, that's the North Carolina one. And then the last one I've got here for this week here is the Carolina's Bass Challenge Foothill Marine Division. They'll be fishing Lake Hickory. For a more extensive list, make sure you check out anglerschannel.com. And if you didn't hear or if you don't see your tournament or tournament uh, was it series on here on the on the calendar, make sure that you shoot your calendars over to me at dshong at anglerschannel.com and I'll make sure I get them up here. Uh, I tr I'm trying to chip through away through as many as I can, but uh, if you're gonna if you shoot them my way, I'll make sure they get higher priority. But again, if you don't hear them or if you don't see them on our calendar at anglerschannel.com, make sure you shoot an email to me, dshong at anglerschannel.com. And then the uh, again, the, la the last part of the well, the last segment here is the news and notes, which uh, again. 
with tournaments and everything kind of uh, picking up steam here, uh, not much to go around. But uh, since we talked about it, you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier about ABT 100s. The Alabama Bass Trail announced their ABT 100 2024 schedule. And I don't know, you'll definitely, you can confirm if some of these are repeats from this year. I don't think any of them were when I took a quick glance, but I could be wrong. But Logan Martin is announced as the first stop, which is on January 20th of 2024. Weiss is the second stop uh, scheduled for June 1st. And then Wheeler Lake is November 2nd. Those are all, I'm assuming, new in terms of, they're they're not repeats from 2023, I think, right? If I I remember that. Not for the ABT 100. Yeah. The, okay. Those are our own are all on the normal schedule, which yeah, which for those that don't know, Alabama Bass Trail was kind of set up that splits the state in half. You got a South Division, North Division, so the major lakes in each division are the ones that we kind of rotate through every year. So it's 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 roughly the same lakes we fish between the North Division, South Division, APT one hundred. They just kind of rotate a little bit on timing and all that. Then let's see here. The other big, I guess this was a big announcement because uh, I think it, it definitely it came out after we had uh, recorded our show, but um, kind of keeping the theme with the Red Crest here. Uh, and I'm not sure if you're excited about a KG, but uh, for 2024 and 2025, Alabama gets a, uh, gets to be a little bit greedy because uh, Red Crest 2024 goes to Birmingham and Lay Lake, and then 2025 uh, stays in, I guess you could say, upper. Northern Alabama, Huntsville is the host city for t- the 2025 Red Crest, with Gunnersville being the the lake that they'll be fishing on there. So thoughts, KG? Two big events, I guess you could say, being, you know, uh, uh, marquee events being hosted back-to-back a- in Alabama. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm really not surprised. You know, and we we do host a lot of events in Alabama, but, um, you know, we, we have communities. Um, we have lakes and with, with the right facilities and communities are willing to to uh, do what they have to do to get these organizations to come. Uh, mm-hmm. And Alabama Bass Trail, we, we mentioned them, you know, Kay there has had a lot to do with that. She has really helped a lot of these communities uh, in developing that and making sure that they have the the correct facilities. And, um, you know, it, it pays off. The tourism in Alabama for fishing is tremendous. Uh, and the, these cities, some of which are fairly small cities around some of these lakes, the ones that take advantage of it, man, it makes a huge difference to those communities. With next year with Lay Lake, because I don't um always I don't I don't know if, uh, off the top of my head when a bigger I don't know if the elites have been there at all more recently, but the, the obviously the last classic I think was I think it was twenty ten with Kevin winning it and beeswax over there. But uh how has Lay Lake since you guys uh, I think it's 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 a it's an annual stop on the ABT, am I correct? So yes. yes. So how how has Lay Lake been since I guess uh the last you know, since really since COVID, which you can say this about a lot of lakes, since COVID, it seems to have gotten tough. The whole Coosa okay. chain here, here the last couple of years, seems to be down as a whole. Okay, uh, it's got a lot of people kind of scratching their head. A lot of guys are thinking that that we needed to to get back to a stocking program, different things. But uh, I was a little bit encouraged from this past weekend. Um, it's it it felt like maybe it rebounded a little bit compared to the last maybe the last two years we were there. Mm-hmm. Um, Fish catches were good. There's there's a lot of, a lot of numbers, both spots and largemouth. So, you know, it could have just be timing in the time of year, you know, that that led me to to that. Um, but I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping that it it kind of rebounds a little bit. Um, it, it does get a lot of pressure, which I mean, all of our lakes now do. But 
um, hopefully, hopefully it can handle it and, and we'll have, you know, pretty good years in the next couple of years. The, the Coosa River is just a special place. I mean, it, it truly is. And Lay Lake has historically been one of the better lakes along the Coosa, Coosa River. So we, we need it to be good. Yeah. Definitely good to see uh, Lay Lake being featured again, on, on a, especially on, on that big marquee event type stage. So uh, definitely looking forward to see how that plays out next year again. Uh, if uh, As long as the format doesn't change with, uh, and this is not poking fun or anything, but as long as they stay with this five fish format, we'll see definitely how uh, Lay Lake plays out next year when um, the MLF uh, Breadcrest guys come there. So uh and then the last news that i have unless i miss anything else out there that was juicy in any way but the only thing i, I ended up seeing uh on the news wire out there was vnm baits they got uh or the, the purchase got finalized by the lucky strike group so they are they were brought in underneath the lucky strike umbrella i don't know who else is really underneath the umbrella off the top of my head but um but yeah, that, that's the way how it looks like it's been the trend i guess you could say for the last honestly maybe more than 10, 15 years of uh, other bait companies just acquiring other brands and kind of, and, and taking them underneath their one env- uh, umbrella, excuse me. And then next week uh, to kind of wrap it up here, no show. Uh, it'll be a bit more chaotic because I'll be kind of traveling for the other championship event which is the bassmaster classic so no show uh, i know kg the, the bassmaster classic <laughs> the bassmaster classic sorry <laughs> no disrespect but uh, i know that uh kg's on you you'll be kind of all over the place too trying to get ready for um uh an ml so yeah a toyota series event on smith lake there too and then obviously you're busy this weekend with the abt so a lot of chaos so no no episode next week but with that there um we'll take a this is where we i guess take a a quick uh, peek into what we're expecting at the classic in general uh the last time the classic was in knoxville was four years ago which wasn't too long ago um you know obviously knoxville tennessee river and it was dubbed the last great classic because that was the first classic or the last classic to, to where, you know, the first classic after the split, uh, which was the first, which took place in the first year of the Bass Pro Tour. Um, but, uh, you know, so obviously that was a glass one with a lot of guys such as Van Dam, uh, Edwin Evers, Jordan Lee, that they were able to fish. Um, and many people thought that uh, that would be the kind of not the, the, the end of the classic, but it would be, you know, it would like basically the, the, classic wouldn't draw as much but obviously i don't think that's really applied but um kg going into the at least on the fishing side and we'll dive into the other uh the other part of uh the classic that uh, draws in the other type of fishermen uh fishing wise um what are you looking forward to with uh with this particular event well i i think I think it will seem a little bit further ahead than the last time they were there. Yeah. I think last time they were there was more more of a wintertime, true wintertime pattern. I, I mean, a lot of guys were trying to force that early spring deal, and it just didn't seem to pan out for them. They had yeah. some spurts, some, you know, some. I think that, I think what some of those guys were trying to do last year, or, or the last time they were there, will actually pay off better this year. Okay. I, I think the crankbait bite is going to really be pretty key here. Now, when you say crankbaits, because obviously 
Um, depending on how things go, and I don't know about the Tennessee River, never, never having been fished, you know, fished or even seen it really, besides from uh, from shore, but. Are you talking about like lipless baits or more like like square bills or maybe even there, deeper? Yeah, it could be some lipless. Uh, you know, on the flatter areas, some of those creeks that have some some flatter areas. Uh, certainly, a, you know, a rattle trap could could work really well there. But I think it'll be more of uh, flat sided crankbaits. Okay. Um, yeah, which which I mean, if you if you remember back, some of those guys were doing some of that the last time. It just didn't. Yeah. It wasn't consistent enough. I think that bite will be more consistent this time now i haven't checked the water level now they also need the water to come up come up a little bit if i remember right the water was pretty low last time they were there if if the water's up more than it was that will for sure for sure without a doubt be the deal now and and, and you'll have to like so this is where you educate me because i don't really fish a lot of you know impoundments but obviously this time of year classic just in general um Red Craw, I'm assuming it's going to be a big player, but why does Red Craw such a key color for a lot of guys during this time of year? You know, that you hear a lot of different answers to that, and I don't, I really don't know what's true. Um, you know, I hear guys say, well, the crawfish turn red that time of year. Well, you know, based on what I actually see fish spit up in my lab, well, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> but the other side of that is, there are so many different varieties of crawfish in our lakes here that I, I don't see how you could key into just one color. Sure. Um, they, they have they have a lot of options when it comes to color of crawfish. So I, I really don't know. I don't know what it is. I, I think it's more of when these fish first move up in the spring, they're very aggressive. It, it, mm-hmm. it may be the most aggressive they are all year long. So I think maybe the, I don't know if the red just triggers that aggression better. Okay, I, I think that may be more to it than you know than trying to match the hatch or whatever whatever else you can come up with. I think it just it matches their aggression. Uh, some of it could be that you know this time of year you have a lot of off color water and the red shows up better. Okay. Um, that could be some of it too. But but I mean we catch them on Gunnersville very clear water on the red, so kind of debunks that thought. But yeah, you know I I, I don't know. Um, you know, sometimes it comes down to you just, you don't, you don't overthink it. Sure. You know, when something works, you just do it. Try not to think about why. Um, I think sometimes as fishermen, I'm certainly guilty of it. We try to, <laughs> we try to want to, you know, dissect every little thing that's going on and try to try to come up with answers and some things we just won't ever know. Um, yeah. I mean, just like, just like, you know. The live sonar uh, has really made most of us realize <laughs> a majority of what we thought we knew is all wrong anyway. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I mean, I think that's just that's just human nature is you try to you're trying to figure it out. There's so much we don't know. You you know, for the most part, you can't see them. We're just we, we have to make a lot of assumptions. But but there again, we're doing that to try to duplicate it. Right. Because when yeah. we when we get in a situation, especially when we get in a situation where it works, you know, we catch them really well. We're thinking, OK, how can we duplicate this? Obviously, the yeah. next time you go out, you want to be able to do the same thing. So you're trying to figure out clues and put it together and think, OK, if, if I get in this scenario again, can I duplicate it? And so I, I think that's just part of part of the process of how we try to try to make sense of it. Yeah. And then last thing I guess I could say, with, I'm going to ask you the uh, with the fishing part of it is. 
20, yeah, 2019, you know, Zeldane, you know, I guess what are some things that might surprise you with how they might be doing it like, in terms of like approaching this event? Cause I know that I mentioned Zeldane, he, uh, in 2019, I know he was throwing the mag draft a bit, kind of caught some people, not completely by surprise, knowing Zeldane, but for him to make it work, obviously that didn't pan out for him on day three, but even the last time in 2021 where, um, for the elite series, uh, there, you know, Gussie doing what moping or the Demiki rig, um, that, you know, I don't know if that's something that applies to, the largemouth as much or if it's just something that was uh, even though that was a few weeks in terms of the time of the year compared to where the classic's going to be but anything that you'll see that might be kind of surprising or do you think that it might be more straightforward maybe in some ways with how some of these guys might uh catch them to put them in contention to win i think i think it'll look more familiar to people okay. I, I think i think gussie was able to do what he did because um very few people were were attempting to do that Guys okay. were guys were guys were trying to catch them. How I really think they'll catch them this time. Um, so I think it, it and, and they struggled because of the conditions. Therefore, it kind of opened up. It kind of gave him the perfect window to do what he did. I, I it could happen, but I'm going to go ahead and say I don't think he'll be able to do what he did last time and win the tournament. Yeah, I don't think because obviously I, I think if I'm correct, it's a, it was a lot if, colder. If, yeah, if for no other reason, there's probably been other anglers. That's been doing that for weeks. He kind of, sure. you know, he kind of opened that, taught a lot of anglers, you know, that technique. That and it's not a very big area from what I remember. So, you know, that specific spot and what he was doing is probably just not going to be as effective. So obviously, besides the fishing, uh, a lot of the reasons why some people, uh, if not the people from that area, because the last time uh up until last this past year's 2022's classic uh knoxville in 2019 set the attendance record so i'm a, i'm expecting that the uh attendance is going to be pretty big if not more than maybe even last year's but uh but obviously a lot of people that, that are coming are going to be looking forward to some of the stuff that's going to debut or be shown at the expo the bassmaster classic expo so are there certain things that you know kg you know as as an angler as a fan of the sport that you're looking forward to uh, on the expo floor at all? Well, there's not many things that I can think of, you know, that have been recently announced. It may be new. I, I, I'm, I'm coming up with, with two things. Um, okay. It'll be my first chance of seeing the new power pole move trolling motor in person. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, and uh, Yamamoto has been, uh, teasing us with some new bait that they're supposed to announce during the classic. Yeah. Um, and I saw, I saw a social media post, uh, Blake Hall, who lives here in North Alabama, it's one of their, one of their pros apparently used one of them to catch one of the fish on, on Clark Hill. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm curious to see what that is. I'm not, you know, they're kind of teasing it as though it's something different than, than what they've offered before. So I, I'm a little curious about that. Yeah, I definitely. I'm surprised this year. I, again, you know, some people or some some companies might not want to uh, play the teaser game as much because you know normally, but you know, within like the first, you know, within within two weeks or so, you start seeing more teasers. And and as as we record this, we're still over a week out. But I am surprised that there hasn't been as much, uh, you know, stuff, you know, feelers stuff being thrown out there just to kind of like get people's uh, curiosity going. But um, 
Well, it, re- it really seems like now, though, ICAS is kind of the 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 big one that that these companies, you know, at least introduce or talk about a new product. And, it, yeah. and you know, a lot of times at ICAS, we don't see the product until January anyway. Yeah, that happened. That happens, uh, you know, in the summertime. And it's it's lots of times January or even February in some cases before we actually see those products come around. So. To me, the classic is maybe more of the place that maybe all these baits you heard about at ICAST last year, if you haven't had a chance to get around them, that maybe it's an opportunity to actually see those baits. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're you're under one roof and you've got, you know, multiple options. I know there's some pretty big tackle dealers that are going to be there. Yeah. Uh, as well as, you know, certain some manufacturers themselves. So it, if you have not had a chance to do that, we'll give you an opportunity to see, you know, a lot of the new baits that were introduced from ICAST last year. Yeah. I th- normally, you know, um, there are still some, you know, I guess some classic releases, you know, well, typically, I guess when it comes to like what you mentioned with ICAST, they debut the bait there, but then it doesn't get released until sometime later. But uh, for the few that do release something at the classic, typically it's pretty much available at the you know to buy at the classic. So, right, we'll see, yeah, we'll see now, if that happens this year. But yeah. I haven't seen as much. But now the other thing, the other thing that I that I tend to notice every year is it's almost like some of these manufacturers are trying to guess what might be popular or might work out for the classic. I, yeah. Obviously, as a manufacturer. It's, it, you know, all the eyeballs were on the classic. It, you want your products being used during the classic. So I think sometimes these, they kind of plan ahead and work with their pro staff and kind of get an idea of what baits should be working during the classic yeah. and, and try to take advantage of those opportunities. So it, it will be interesting to see um, how all that shakes out and, and how, you know, the different brands use their pro staff and how they try to market them and, and try to take advantage of of guys that are having success because it's yeah. that, that that is still a big deal which i guess yeah this wasn't this isn't a classic release because it was something that was teased or um or talked about at uh at redcrest but uh i know berkeley i think it was i think it was, it was underneath the berkeley umbrella they um uh, some of the berkeley pros are talking about the uh i think it's called the call shots so of their version of a harnessed swim bait i think it comes in two sizes so uh, so definitely, just you know, just curious to see how that particular bait is. I know that uh, Berkeley, uh, since they're the new company, you know, once they started making that push about four or five years ago, they've been really expanding their their offerings in general. So uh, that's something that I'm definitely uh, just curious to see how that looks, how the how that whole uh, setup is, because I know that uh, the 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 I guess the go to in in those. Uh, smaller uh harnessed swim baits is the mega bass mag draft so i definitely am interested to see how um the berkeley one compares in terms of how they approach their harness and everything like that but yeah other than that i think there was there wasn't too much but then again maybe a lot of companies that do have classic releases are holding the cards a little bit closer to their chest until next week probably yeah i'm sure there'll be some of that yeah and then other than that, the only thing I'm going to ask uh, to kind of wrap up this little short classic part here is 
How many bags do you think will be, how many 20 pound bags total throughout the three days do you think will come? What do you think you'll see? Because it wasn't that many last I, time, but I it sniff a setup here. I, I, no. I, did, did Ronnie Moore call you and ask you to no. ask that question? <laughs> no. I, I, you know, like you would think that I would have had more, uh, I would have prepared a lot more, but no, unfortunately, I didn't. See, <laughs> so the reason why I asked that is, and you may not remember, but the last time they were in Knoxville, we had Ronnie uh-huh. Moore on the podcast. And that was that was one of the questions that was asked. And I gave I gave an absolute stupid number. Okay. And he pretty much called me out on it. <laughs> see, and, you, and, I don't and he was that, right. Then... So see, I think I think you just asked that question on purpose. So now I'm wondering if I should be offended, David. So no, I'm only I'm only asking him because you know, like uh, I'm trying to do some homework at least so that when I go to you know to be the quote unquote journalist that I want to be in some way. <laughs> At least I seem to be somewhat knowledgeable. So I was just, you know, trying to do some homework. So I promise you, maybe you, Ronnie Moore scarred you, but I promise you, I, I didn't, he did not <laughs> entice me to, uh, to goad you with this question. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty stupid, but I'm not going to be real stupid. So I'm not going to answer the question, but I will say this. <laughs> I, um, I think 18 pounds on that body water is a really good weight. Do you think 18 pounds takes it then? I was thinking about well, 17 would probably be, be enough to win, but I could be well, completely it's not a It's not a one-day event. So if you can average 18 pounds on that during during the classic, you're doing really good. Yeah. Now, can someone catch 22, uh, 23? Certainly. Yeah. Um, and I haven't – I'd rather we're – not, we're not close enough to really get a good idea on the weather. If the weather lined up really well and the water conditions were right – then yeah, there may be more guys capable of catching twenty to twenty-two pounds, um, but it would have to line up really well. But you know, eighteen pounds, eighteen pounds is a, is a good will be a good day on that lake. See here, weather as as of today when we record this, I know that it looks like it's been a little bit cold, but uh, what Thursday or Friday gets up into it goes in it gets up into the low sixties, and then I guess it starts going I, again. I don't know if this is. Seasonal weather, if it's abnormally colder than than uh you know, then it should probably be in most situations. But at least as of when we record this, I think the Sunday going into that event, high of forty two, sunny, but high of forty two, high of a fifty on Monday, and then there's some rain, high of forty eight, high of fifty one on Wednesday, but clouds. And then Thursday, the uh, the last day before the the day before the event, and what I have here uh, before the event starts, excuse me, cloudy with high of fifty six. So I'm not sure if that's going to be um, good or not. Because again, I, I see that again, like I said, going towards the end of this weekend, it's going pretty high, but then it comes back down. So again, I don't know how how much the fish on that river get affected by those uh, high swings when it comes to uh, water temps. Oh, yeah, well, you know temps. what. Water color will play in that. Uh, you know, obviously, if we get they get a lot of rain and and add a lot of color to the water, changes. There, there's a lot of variables. Water temperature may not be the most important part of that. It's that's one of the factors. But the the key the key really will be is it is it warming or is it cooling? Yeah. If it's warming during the event, it doesn't really matter what the temperature is as long as it's warming during the event. Then that will help them. Yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely see. Definitely looking forward to seeing how things, you know, just in general, whether it's the the fishing or the uh, the how the expo and everything plays out. Because, like I said earlier, 
Um, Knoxville in 2019 set the attendance record, so I'm expecting it to be a pretty jam-packed event. Uh, the uh, that part of Tennessee or that you know, just that that region in general just really shows up for these big events. But uh, I'll definitely be there. I'll be. I think I'll probably roll in town either Tuesday or Wednesday or something like that. I haven't made uh, made my mind yet, but uh, but. If you see me or KG, um, I don't know if KG is going to say hi, but I'll definitely say hi if you see me and say something. Oh, my something. goodness. <laughs> oh, no, no, KG, you know, like. Why, why wouldn't I say hi, Dave? I'm not saying I you mean, won't say hi, but, you know, KG, you're, wow. you're, you're. You're you're more uh you're more uh, uh wow. elevated status. So I figured KG would be like, oh, you know, uh, no I'm no not, autographs today. I'm not <laughs> elevated. You're stepping on me right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm laying on the ground right now. Uh, but you know. If you guys see us, yeah, you know, I know I'll, I'll be on the expo floor. I think all three days. I'm pretty sure KG. I think KG gets into town during the weekend. So, um, yeah, I'll probably show. I'll show up sometime Friday afternoon or Friday night. So, okay. um, I'll be at takeoff Saturday morning. I'll be at the expo all day Saturday and way in Saturday Saturday afternoon, and then probably similar on Sunday. Yeah. So, but if you guys see us, make sure that you stop by, say hi. You know, definitely don't mind just. See- uh, seeing some of the faces, uh, people that help listen and support, uh, English channel in general, besides is it, whether it's just the podcast or the, uh, the website as well. But other than that, I guess we'll call it a day and wrap it up and put this one back on the trailer uh, again. Uh, thanks, uh, to Brian Thrift and, uh, Charity over at MLF for making all this happen because, uh, I know that it's been a, uh, a chaotic few weeks with her dealing with me trying to get guests for the podcast, but thanks to charity as well. But make sure again, you just support all the sponsors, all our partners that help make English channel and the English channel inside of podcast happen. And those sponsors that we have are Ranger, Mercury, Humminbird, Minkota, Striking, Lose, Trickstep, Reliant, TH Marine, Costa Sunglasses, Under Armour, and Sportsman's Warehouse. Uh, also make sure you like, share, and review and rate our show wherever you get uh, listen to our show from and with that we'll end it here uh, KG don't take it personal thanks for listening to this week's Anglers Channel Insider Podcast brought to you by Under Armour Fish Costa Sunglasses Pro Charging Systems X-Zone Lures and Trick Step visit anglerschannel.com your number one bass fishing tournament resource